0: Welcome to this message from Journey Church Our hope is that you'd encounter God and His purpose for your journey Be sure to visit us online at www.journeykc.com
1: I just can't get these numbers to add up
0: Like we're never going to get out of this hole
1: Credit card debt, does it ever end?
0: (laughs) Maybe I can help we sure could use it
1: we've tried debt consolidation companies
0: we've even taken out loans to help make payments well you're not the only ones did you know millions of americans live with debt they cannot control that's why i developed this unique new program for managing your debt it's called don't buy stuff you cannot afford
1: If you don't have any money, you should not buy anything. Hmm, sounds interesting.
0: Sounds confusing.
1: I don't know, honey. This makes a lot of sense. There's a whole section here on how to buy expensive things using money you save.
0: Give me that. And where would you get this saved money? I tell you where and how in Chapter 3.
1: Okay, but what if I want something, but I don't have any money?
0: You don't buy it. Well, let's say I don't have enough money to buy something. Should I buy it anyway? No. Now I'm really confused. It's a little confusing at first.
1: Well, what if you have the money? Can you buy something? Yes. Now take the money away. Same story?
0: Nope. You shouldn't buy stuff when you don't have the money. I think I got it. I buy something I want and then hope that I can pay for it, right? (laughs) no you make sure you have money then you buy it oh then you buy it but shouldn't you buy it before you have the money no
1: why not
0: it's in the book it's only one page long (laughs) the advice is priceless and the book is free
1: wow i like the sound of that
0: yeah we can put it on our credit card (laughs) so get out of debt now Write for your free copy of Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. And if you order now, you'll also receive Seriously. If you don't have the money, don't buy it. Along with a 12-month subscription to Stop Buying Stuff
2: magazine. So order today. Some of you guys have had debt and you've had that experience of being able to yell out, I'm debt free. How many of you guys have had that experience before? I'm debt free. And you could just feel the weight of debt come off of you. And a lot of times when I was looking at this video, uh, I just started to think about, isn't that the way it feels like in the Christian life? Whenever we have this debt of sin upon us, and then all of a sudden Jesus comes in and erases the debt of sin, and then we can feel that weight lifted off and we're debt free. How many guys are so thankful that we serve a God who erased the debt, balanced it down to zero, nothing left. We don't, we're not in debt anymore. Now, I love that but here's where I think a lot of people end up, and that's where I think that many people have got the debt of sin lifted, and then we start living paycheck to paycheck spiritually. We've got the debt gone, but then spiritually we're living paycheck to paycheck. Now we're talking about uh, David, and we're in this series, Dung to Dominion. And we're, if you remember David in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 8, it says, Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture... We talked about that last week. David in the pasture of insignificance. And then we took him from the pasture of insignificance to following the sheep, from following the sheep that used to be prince over my people. So he went from sheep dung and that kind of lifestyle to becoming king, ultimately, of Israel. Judah, then Israel. And so we see this whole thing. Now... Uh, If we were to go and kind of paint that picture in David's life, what happens in most believers life, it wouldn't be from pasture to prince. It would be from the pasture of insignificance to passable, mediocre. He didn't go to the palace. He went just to regular life. Can I tell you that that's not the life that God wants us to live? He doesn't want us just to go from the pasture to passable. He doesn't want to go from the pasture of insignificance to mediocre. In other words, here's the way most of us look at it. We look at at Jesus came to take care of the negative in our life, the negative of sin. I'm telling you today that Jesus didn't just come to take away a negative and bring the balance to neutral, bring the balance of the thing to, to zero it out. That's not why he came. He came to take the negative away, yes, and to bring the balance to zero, but he also came to to give a positive. And most people in their Christian life have gone from the negative to the neutral, and we're so happy about being debt-free, but we don't take it any further and we're living paycheck to paycheck spiritually. But Jesus didn't just come to, to take you from a debt and then zeroing out the balance. Jesus also came to put some money in the bank. You need to get that in your spirit today. Jesus. Let me say that again. Jesus didn't come just to erase the debt and bring the balance to zero. Jesus came to put some money in the bank. And I'm not talking about Financially, I'm talking about spiritually and and the whole realm of things, all right? And so let's deal with that today. I want to talk about how do we look at this area, that God didn't just take care of a negative. He also added a positive. He doesn't want to just bring us out of the dung of the miry clay and the pit and lift us up. He also wants to set our feet on the rock. Can I get an amen out of somebody today? He wants to do something further than just taking away the negative, all right? Now, in order to do that, we've got to really understand some things. He didn't redeem us just to get our foot in the door and nothing more. He redeemed us for a bigger purpose. Last week, we talked about pursuing the call of God on our life. We talked about thinking outside the box. How many of you guys are so thankful that we serve a God that has no limits, that we can blow the box out, right? And we talked about thinking outside the box, and then we also talked about thinking inside the box and using what we already have. Now, this week, I want to take that idea further because I wanted you to get your hopes up last week for something more, and here's where we're going to start getting our hopes up for something more. Because God didn't just take the neutral, or take us to neutral. He took us and he put it in drive, all right? And we're going to look at that today. But to do that, we've got to understand some things about the kingdom of God, okay? We've got to understand some things about the kingdom of God. And what I want to help you do is i want to ask three questions today that's going to help us kind of flesh some things out in our mind about how we're approaching this. And here's what I know. If you want, how many of you guys want to live a little larger than where you are right now? And, and relationally, spiritually, financially, you want to live a little bit larger. To do that... We're going to have to look at some issues, and I believe this. I believe that many of us are spending so much of our energy uh, giving attention to the wrong set of circumstances and the wrong set of problems, the wrong focus, uh, and that's where our attention is going to the wrong place. So let me ask you a couple of questions. Number one, the first question is this. Am I living in the kingdom? Am I living in the kingdom of God? Now, when uh, Richard Port is his uh, kingdom of God, class, if you missed that, I don't know if he's doing another one, but I'm, I'm just kind of stealing a little bit of it here this morning. Uh, he talked about how Jesus talked primarily about the kingdom of God and he preached about the kingdom of God. He said, go spread the kingdom of God, kingdom of God, kingdom of God, kingdom of God. And Jesus called himself the door. But Jesus is the door to what? Jesus is the door to the kingdom of God. I even stole his slide, uh, so uh, it's up here too. So you've got a picture of the door, and then Jesus being that door, and the door to what? The door inviting us to walk into the kingdom of God. So the question is today, am I actually living in the kingdom? Or have I just got my foot in the door? Because we would call it, in today's culture, we'd say, well, they got their ticket to heaven at least, and I'm not denying that. But many of us, that's all we've got. We, we walk through the door of Jesus, but there's this whole thing called living in the kingdom that we haven't even started to walk in. We, haven't even, we just barely entered through the door and haven't started to experience the kingdom of God. So here's something I want you to understand, that the kingdom of God is something that you enter into, the Bible talks about. You, you start walking into the kingdom of God. You walk into the kingdom power of God, the kingdom culture that comes with the kingdom, kingdom living. What does that look like? You've got to walk into it. And as we look at David's life, I, I started to ask the question, at what point did David start entering into the kingdom? At what point did David start entering into kingship identity? I believe it wasn't when he put on a crown. I believe it goes all the way back to 1 Samuel. Chapter 16, verse 6 and 7. It says, When they came, he looked at Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. What's the scenario here? It's a prophet coming to anoint a new king. King Saul is the king at the time, but God tells the prophet, Go to the house of Jesse and find a king. One of the, Jesse's boys, he's going to be the next king. And so they brought them all in, except for David. They left him out in the pasture of insignificance. And they look at Eliab and they say, okay, surely he's the one. He's the, you know, the oldest, he's the tallest, he's the whatever. He's got all these credentials. And God says, no, nope, he's not the guy. And it says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I've rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. This is the first hand of what I want to talk about today. See, God isn't as much concerned with the outward circumstances as he is the internal circumstances. God lo- man looks on the outward. We spend all of our energy spending time on the outward, but God looks at some internal things. All right. So David comes and he gets anointed in 1 Samuel, skip down to 13. It says, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And then, so David is there. They said, all right, it's got to be David. They went through all of them. David comes in. David gets anointed as king, even as a teenager, as a young man, and it says, watch this, watch this in verse 13. It says, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day. You see, I believe that is the day that David entered into a new type of rulership. That's the day, even though he didn't officially have a crown, something, he entered into a kingship. Why? Because he was anointed, and the Spirit of God rushed on him from that day forward. So from that day forward, David entered into the kingship, but I want you to see something else. The kingdom identity and values and culture entered into David at the same time. And so from that point on, David started not only was anointed to be king and entered into a kingship, he had kingdom identity, kingdom values, kingdom culture on the inside of him. So much so that later on when King Saul is persecuting him and trying to kill him and we find David hiding deep into a cave, And he's persecuted by King Saul. And King Saul wants to come and kill him wrongly. The Bible says, and here's how the story goes. The Bible says that King Saul went to go take a bathroom break. That's in the Bible. It's there. He went into the cave to relieve himself. And it just so happened it was the cave that David and his men were hiding in. And so all of David's men said, David, here's your chance. You can take out the king and rightfully take your throne. And so David goes up and he cuts just a little bit off of Saul's garment. And he comes back out and he says, See, King Saul, I could have killed you, but I am not going to touch God's anointed, and I believe that you still have your rightful place. What was happening there? Even though David wasn't officially king, he was acting like more of a king than King Saul was. Because not only had he entered into kingship, but the kingdom had entered into him. So the kingdom of God is not only something we enter, it's something that enters into us. And we can see that in Luke chapter 17, verse 20 and 21. It says, now when he asked the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and he said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. It's not always externals that we see first. It says, nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is what? Within you. Okay? So when you enter into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God also needs to enter into us. All right? So that's, what, that's the setup today. Now, as part of that, uh, and part of Richard's class that he talked about, is, is that We don't have a big idea. We don't have a clue as to how to process what it means to have a kingdom and and all this stuff. So how do we process that? And and one of the ways, the examples that was used is how England had a colony of, of the Bahamas, right? And so England wanted the Bahamas to become an extension of England. And so what do they do? They took somebody from England and they planted them over in the Bahamas. Why? Somebody who had the culture of England planted them there and they say, make the Bahamas like England. And so that's why today you can go and they, they drink tea like they do in England. They talk like they do in England. All these things you can see are very much similarities. Why? Because the Bahamas were to become an extension of England. Now, they took somebody from England to put there. Now, if you look in our scenario of the kingdom, here we have on earth, Jesus did what? He said, I'm going to leave you somebody who's going to be able to be, help you make earth as an extension of heaven. Who did he leave? The Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Jesus came and he left the Holy Spirit. That was pretty good. That was pretty good there. Left the Holy Spirit, who what? Has the culture, the values of heaven, so he knows. He didn't take somebody from here and said, okay, try to make this look as much like heaven as you can. He said, I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit.